Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler. Today's episode that we're going to cover is season five, episode eight, The Subway Story, which aired on Halloween 1974. Would have been better if the candidate. Yeah, I was just thinking that because uh, of uh, Igor. Yeah, right. uh, it's available on Paramount Plus, uh, which creates a music edit um, that we will discuss. But we have a bunch of stuff to follow it up on from last week first of all i you were supposed we both had homework to follow up on the story (laughs) oh yes um so for my homework um i watched your point about the fact that when they uh in the beginning when they when they come home there's a shot of the kitchen and the way the camera moves um we see that the kitchen is doesn't have four walls which you know i guess we would know in general but it does expose that fact, which is a little unusual to, to see that. You can see that the, the left side of the kitchen, if you're facing it, has no wall, which would be silly. Which has been implied the whole Yes. There isn't just the back of a stove in somebody's living room, unprotected. <laughs> right. So uh, it's but- an angle that, it's an unfortunate angle that somehow got past the director of photography. I also went back and looked at the uh, hand soaking gag that you mentioned when we see uh, Oscar uh, soaking his feet. This is just to refresh people's memory. We're talking about the odd candidate episode from our prior episode. So if you're looking, listening to this out of order, this uh, update may not make sense to you, but I saw that the hand gag was there. Now your homework was to hand gag. You mean that after a busy day of campaigning, and shaking hands, he was not only soaking his feet, but also his hand. Right. In a bowl. Yes, which I did not notice because I was looking at his feet. Your homework was to look at the scene in the the beginning when Oscar comes home from flying, from getting back from his trip. He takes off all his outer clothes to reveal he's wearing pajamas. And then he slams a pair of keys on the counter. However, my struggle with that is, which is, this is not a continuity error. This is something that just happened. I could not determine how Jack Klugman was able to keep keys in his hands while he is doing all the disrobing work that requires his fingers to be moving up and down or out and in. And I couldn't, I could see places where his hands I thought were fully extended and no way to hold keys in them. What did you see? Okay, so upon uh, repeated examination of this, the repeated viewing of the footage in question, um, I still believe that Jack Kugman really is holding something in his right hand during that whole stripping off of the layers of clothes. And the reason is it is one take. There's no cutaway where uh, the key could suddenly be in his hand at the end and it wasn't there all along. Um, and I, I also considered briefly the possibility that there was no key prop, but that it may have only been a sound effect because it's very hard to see, for me at least, 
to see the thing he puts on the uh, counter. No, we can't see it. We just hear it. Right. I so believe with you that I did it, consider that possibility that okay. it could have been dubbed in where what the whole to do that means that that was a very deliberate little bit to end the 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 bit with <laughs> like a button on the end of that to have that sound although i'm pretty sure i can see something in his hand but oh I'm i believe it's a real i believe it's a real item there's no gag it's not a funny joke that well, he puts what this, okay but the fact that you can see something is enough no, because I, you're, I can't see it but i just oh, feels okay. it feels real to me i mean the yeah. scene i never thought in the scene that there's a it's a fake item i never believed i never thought that right and i don't either but i will to answer your point remember uh it does not have to be a real set of keys it does not have to be a set. It is simply a thing that they must have chosen a prop that was small enough. Perhaps with the hook, the ring could fit around his finger. Possibly. Oh, okay. That's so something I had to the consider. most possible dexterity okay. while this, we don't have to think about it where it's just kind of right. taped or something to his hand. Okay. So he just doesn't have to think about it. And uh, just to get really Zapruder on this, I, I will refer people to the point where he takes off his shoes which might be one of the more difficult things to do in that situation. But I did notice his hand does not open. It's only, you only see a finger. You see his index finger come out and the rest of his fingers, this is in his right hand, is the rest of his fingers are still clenched. So that was the, the closest I had to a I, way that he's holding. I hand. saw that too. And I did think, uh -huh. okay, in that moment, that's how he's holding the key. But when he takes off his pants, yeah. those fingers that are, clenched as you say are not i see well but i do think yeah a I, ring would make sense that some it's a ring around that oh. it's held uh, he holds it with the ring around his, his finger and then he does have to transfer it from his right hand to his left and he slams it down on the counter with his left hand that's where i'm pretty sure we see a prop but it can be a, the dinkiest little thing it, it doesn't have to be it's not a set of keys it's just like uh doesn't even have to be a key it could just be the um whatever it is with the ring on it you know well, Oliver Stone's movie should, I hope, will clarify <laughs> this, that it, when it eventually comes out. Uh, we'll see. So, so also last week, we mentioned the TV show You Again, because I think somebody Again. In, in the cast was what on it. I do? And what you said, was that before, was that after The Odd Couple? And I said, of course, it was after. He didn't have a sitcom before. And we were, I was corrected multiple times by people mentioning the show Harris Against the World, which I think at one point I knew about, but completely forgot. So Harris Against the World was part of an umbrella comedy 90-minute block on NBC called 90 Bristol Court. 90 Bristol Court being NBC, get uh. it? And 90 being 90 minutes, because there were three sitcoms. Harris Against the World was one of them, and Jack played Alan Harris, the plant superintendent at a movie studio and dealing with all the problems that come with that. But he lived in this apartment complex. Yeah. There was a show called Karen about a teenager and her family and a show called Tom, Dick and Mary about a married couple. None of these people in the show are worth famous enough to worth mentioning. Some of them are known. Some of them are not. Um but the whole thing was a bust. The whole idea of doing this three back to back. Sounds like coming. a weird idea, like not a surefire thing. Yeah. Now, uh, in Jack Klugman's uh, Academy uh, TV Academy Archives interview, he talks about Harris Against the World, and we're going to play that clip. Oh. 
Uh, and so let's listen to what he says about it. I'm going to move you up to some, uh, well, it's actually the same year, but Harris Against the World. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to mention that because this is, you got a, your own situation comedy. Well, it wasn't my own. There were three of them. Mm-hmm. And they were joined together at the hip by these two terrible producer writers. I wanted to do Beaver, Leave it to Beaver. That was their success. I wanted to do Dick Van Dyke. Well, I want to tell you, we got 13 funny episodes. Neil Simon's brother, Danny Simon, was his editor. And we worked hard, and we had Hans Conrad on a lot of shows. We had uh, Pat Barry. We did some very, very funny, imaginative shows. And when the time came, they wanted to get rid of two of the shows. But they wanted to keep one. Universal wanted to keep my show. But they didn't want my show. They wanted Tammy which was theirs. So they, they threw me out and I said, thank God, I want to get out. That was a great time. Then I got out of that. Got to be crazy. They offered me another series there with Sidney Pollack, the director, the pilot. I said, no, I'm not going to do another series. Jackie Cooper was then the head of Screen Gems. So he wanted me to do a series pilot. He had a show. Yeah, I said, I don't want to do a series, Jackie. So he asked then, oh God, that's what I called Danny Arnold, mm-hmm. who that was working with him and for him. He said, Jack, what is Jack like? So Danny said, he likes racehorses. Tell him he can go down and claim a couple horses. We'll pay for him. Go claim a couple horses. So I went back and said, Jackie, thank you for really helping me make up my mind. Did you say to me, I'll get you the best writers, I'll get you the best directors, I'll get you the best. No, go claim a couple horses. Thank you. I'm going back to New York. <laughs> so that was out in Los Angeles when you did that series. Yeah. Okay. We had a lot of fun doing it. I, mean, I just hated the producers. They were ter- terrible. They wanted to do that. Leave it to be with junk. It was just awful. But it, it was quality enough. You think that it could have been picked up and should have been picked up? I'm telling you. You. I, I would like to get some copies that we still have. No shows. We'd show it. Hans Conrad and I, I did a couple of shows where we were competing with each other. Comparable to something on the odd couple. Really funny, funny stuff. Danny Simon wrote some funny things. So did you catch all that? Yes. So uh, so he says there's a show called Tammy, which there was a show called Tammy around the same time, but the show that was part of this block was called Karen. So <laughs> so clearly he liked the show, but there was a whole bunch of infighting with Universal and the producers and what show would get picked up. Did they keep Karen? That's what he sees. No, I think all, all those shows, I believe, were, were canceled. I don't think anything uh, survived the 90 Bristol Court. Um, wow. And the debacle. No one has said anything, but I mean, is it possible there's some footage existing of this? Uh, there could be. I looked, I started to look online uh, for something. I was going to play the opening credits here, uh, which I couldn't find, although I stopped searching when I thought, oh, maybe we can play a clip of him talking about the show, which is what we did. So it's possible there's stuff online I just didn't find because I didn't spend more time hunting it down. Um, So to the folks who mentioned Harris Against the World, thank you. And um, we will, it does look like Karen lasted 28 episodes where Tom, Dick and Mary and, oh, okay. uh, and and Harris Against the World were canceled in 13. So it looked like for the back half of the season, they did go with Karen as the as the final uh, to, f- to fill it. So they did kind of keep that show longer. Yes. Do you remember why we, 
how we got. Yes. Why were we talking about his sitcom career last week? Because there was a, there was, this was a side. This is, this is a side thing you said. There was a, uh, one of the actors in The Odd Candidate was on you again. Oh. And I said, oh, the, the, this person was on you again and Jack Klugman's sitcom. And you just innocently said, <laughs> was, totally. that, was that before or after The Odd Couple? And I said, it has to be after because he didn't have a sitcom for The Odd Couple. And this is where we were correct. I was corrected. Got it. That's it. So it's fun to take these little asides and go into other things, I think. What do you think for our next podcast? We do kind of a, a mashup of. I don't um, want to talk about mash. I hate that. You, <laughs> is, it, is mashup like the fourth? Uh, yeah, right. Of yes, yes, yeah, is yeah, the fourth yeah. spinoff of mash, right? No, I was going to say, like, we could do a combined podcast of you again and love Sydney. Well, if we want to go a little behind the scenes here, yeah. um, as part when we're finished with these episodes, we have we're going to do something. We've talked about all in the family, yeah. but we I do. I am creating a list of topics to cover about the odd couple after we go through each episode. And on that list is to talk about other shows related to either the odd couple itself or the characters themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the actors themselves. Right, so yes, right, yes, I think no, we I'm will do that. that. Okay, yes. so, odd couple miscellaneous. All right, we should probably start talking about this uh, this oh, episode yeah, now. This? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, we too. I'm still not done yet with our <laughs> with our catch up. Oh my god. Uh, well, maybe next week we'll get to that. Uh, um, uh, in I think the we're doing the miscellaneous now. <laughs> right. In the let's just get right to that. In the odd candidate episode, there was one actor I didn't mention. When the do you remember? There's this kind of short guy with a mustache who comes out on the Igor set and says, Igor, He's you like know, this, the director. Statement. Yes. His name was Philip Field. He was uh, he's on four episodes of The Odd Couple. This is his first. And then he's on 46 episodes of Quincy as a lab <laughs> technician. Yep. <laughs> I, that sounds like does he have no does he have like minimal? I think less, he's less I think five lines. On he's like he's too. like Eddie Garrett, who's just kind of yeah. there uh, and he may have a line or may he's maybe referred to by Quincy sometime. I don't think he has a lot of lines. Seems like every is there a bit player on the odd couple who did not appear on Quincy? I so <laughs> this far is my challenge. It my does. Challenge. We could make that one of our. I, think, I mean, God bless Jack. Lundman. It's like he went through the, the contact sheets for every episode. Hey, come on, Quincy. We can make this one of our post episode episodic review episodes okay so regarding this week's format normally in our podcast we try to intersperse about five to seven clips that are about three to five minutes long as we're talking the way this episode is built this is different we have fewer clips than usual they're back loaded and one of them is eight minutes long which we've never done before but it's just people familiar with this episode can imagine what that so we open with a pan up of fake. Oh, this is yes. By, uh, oh, uh, yes. Martin Thank you. And Lil Gantz again, who also wrote Odd Candidate last week, although they were not filmed uh, exactly sequentially, but uh, close together. I think you cut off there. You said Mark Rothman and Lil Gantz. Mark Rothman and Lil Gantz uh, yeah. wrote this one as they did Odd Candidate. So we open, I said, we open up with a pan of fake 1049 Park Avenue. Murray's sitting at the dining room table reading the newspaper. He's laughing. He hits the table so hard because he finds whatever he's reading funny. Felix walks in from the kitchen, and now we see it's morning because the there's coffee in front of Murray. Uh, Felix is wearing his famous orange robe, and he's bringing in some orange juice. 
Uh, and Felix asked Murray if he's reading the funnies. Murray says, no, it's Oscar's column today. Felix says, I didn't read it yet. What's in it? Murray says, it's all about his softball league in Central Park. And they both laugh. Murray now reads from the article. A funny thing happened on my way to Central Park. I got across. Murray laughs, but Felix makes a face that indicates he doesn't think it's so funny. People see there's a lot of crime in New York. That's just a vicious rumor started by half a million victims. Then Murray laughs again. And Felix says, I don't think that's so funny. Murray says, now spring is here and the day is beautiful. The tree was green. The bird was singing. Felix says, must be something wrong with me. I don't know. Murray continues, men and women holding hands up. Murray's very entertained by this. He slams his fist again on the table and says, Oscar, stop it. You're killing me. Oscar's not in the room. Felix says, that's disgusting. How can you laugh at tripe like that? Murray says, it's funny tripe. Oscar comes out of the bedroom. He says, hey, Murray, how you doing? Murray says, hey, Oscar, this is funny. Funny, funny. Oscar says, yeah, thanks. Felix says, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Oscar says, why? Felix says, this is our beloved city you're making of. Oscar says, they're just jokes. And Felix says, just jokes, just jokes, huh? That's what the Polish people started saying. They're just jokes, Stanislaus. Is this one the era when Polish jokes, when did Polish jokes begin? Polish jokes are uh, very long-standing. I mean, you know, Poles, you have to look at when the uh, immigration uh, of the, the Poles, Polish immigration, it was also late 19th century, I think. So um, they're just, they are, they certainly predate 1970s. You know, I'll say this, I have, my father collected joke books and um, one of the strangest and uh, quite most embarrassing joke books he had which I've kept as a collector's item. You're into collectibles, right? Yes, I am. A combination of Polish-Italian joke book, which you could flip over, and it had like two different covers. Oh. It was essentially the same. I think it was essentially the same jokes. I'm not sure. This was something that was published? Published. This would have been a paperback from like the early 60s or 50s. And uh, I've kept it because it's like, yeah, this this is a thing. And there were others. Can't do that. To, can't publish that today. Uh, Felix says, Oscar says, Felix, you're too sensitive. Felix says, you're darn right I'm sensitive. This city has been plenty good, good to me and you too. And this is the way you repay it with stupid jokes. People are holding hands up. Both Murray and Oscar laugh when Felix repeats a joke. Murray says, that was a good one. Felix says, stop it, stop it. Oscar says, what's the matter with you? Felix says, don't you see where this sort of thing can lead? People will believe it. Tourists will stop coming to town. Business will fall off. People will lose their jobs and all because of your lies. Oscar says, no, 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 they're not lies. Felix says, they are lies. Oscar says, no, they're not. No, they're not. They may be exaggerations, but these jokes are based on truths. Felix says, they're based on old, worn out, stupid cliches, and I can prove it. Oscar says, go ahead, prove it. Felix starts to hem and haw, and Oscar says, go ahead. How are you going to prove it? Felix says, if I can prove that these cliches are false, will you print a retraction? Oscar says, Felix, if you can prove that one of these cliches is false, I'll print such a column about New York. Everybody in the country will want to move here. Felix says, you got yourself a deal, Mr. Making a Fine Living in a City You're Knocking. (laughs) Oscar says, okay, but you better do it fast because I'm going on my vacation to the Bahamas in three days. Felix says, three days is all I need. You're going to eat those words and I'm going to pour the ketchup. Murray says, I think Felix is losing his sense of humor. Oscar says, oh, forget about him. Listen, you want to hear about a joke I'm going to have in tomorrow's column? And Murray says, yes. Oscar says, I live in a very safe building. Last night, there were three cops in my lobby all night. They were afraid to go outside. 
Oscar starts to laugh, but Murray gets very hurt and angry and says, that's not funny. I wasn't afraid. It was cold. That I'm, no, that is a funny bit. Um, hey, you know, before you go on, uh, I've spent time trying to look this up, but I can't find where I read it. But maybe someone else knows what I'm talking about. That um, Tony Randall in real life at around this time uh, actually took on some ceremonial role with the city as like ambassador to New York or like part of the I Love New York. Maybe it was the I Love New York campaign. Uh, where, and something about when this script came up or when they were first writing the script, he objected to. Uh, I don't know whether he contributed to the idea or it was more like originally Gary Marshall wanted to do something that would confirm the story that was going to be all about the uh, cliches. And Tony Randall refused to do a show that, that reflected badly on New York because he felt personally responsible as this ambassador. Well, I was going to say this seems like something really from Tony Randall's heart because he really yeah. is a New Yorker and really yeah. took pride in the city and loved it. The Isle of New York campaign started in 77, so it couldn't be for that. Yeah. Maybe it's a forerunner of that. But yes. I thought it was the opposite of what you're saying. I thought he like he helped design this episode intentionally in order to beat back stereotypes in New York. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe I'm, I'm, I was, I, I'm just guessing. I don't know. No, that I, I, I yeah, I, I, I thought it was in the Jack Klugman memoir, but I don't find it there. So maybe someone else knows where it's from, but it's either that he came up with the idea or that he um, vetoed, he pushed it in this direction. Let's put it that way. And what's interesting is when I think of uh, 70s New York, which is really the pits. I mean, I was living here as a child. You were, you were too, right? Um, yes. Yes. Um, uh, I think that's when things, uh, when things were first this way, but he's saying they're cliches. So like you say it. Yeah. The crime wave, you, I mean, you, regardless of what the actual statistics are, the crime wave shows up in pop culture by the mid sixties. Yeah, I guess so. So uh, maybe it's a way. If not, yeah. the, if not already, you know, black juvenile delinquencies goes back to the fifties. Right. But I, yeah, so, I guess I think of 70s. It's just funny that even, even in the 70s, they're saying it's a cliche. I which, think of like, where's Papa? Is that the one where he keeps getting, he meets the same muggers in the park every night? It's like, that's from late 60s, I think. Uh, so there's like, it's, it's very much part of that era, you know? Right. Um, so after the commercial, there's a street scene. Uh, Felix and Oscar crossing a street at Central Park West, clearly. A car honks at them and pulls around them, just missing Felix as they're crossing the street. Now they're walking down another street. It has to be a different time or day because they're in different clothing. And a bag of garbage is dropped or falls from above and nearly hits them. Then the same day, because Felix and Oscar are in the same clothing, they see a woman holding two bags of groceries walking down the street, one in each arm. Felix goes to help her, but she walks away and kicks at his shins. Kind of reminiscent of the old opening credit uh, yeah. footage where he tries to help the old lady cross the street. Yes, and he gets he punched. Twice. Two people punch him. Oh, that's the right. Kid, she has yeah. a voice yeah. uh, She seems very annoyed, and he's apologetic. Oscar's laughing. Then we see shots of Central Park on a nice day with people out and about. Uh, and we cut to Felix and Miriam, also in Central Park, but clearly now we're on a studio set. Uh, Miriam has her lighter hair that we saw last week. Uh, Felix is wearing a very 
multicolored sweater. Loud sweater, yeah. Very loud. And they're having a picnic. Murray, uh, Miriam's pouring some wine, and that leads to this clip. Comedians with their jokes about Central Park. What's more beautiful than New York on a Sunday afternoon? It is nice, but what do you hope to accomplish here? Well, I've been going about this the wrong way. You don't stop New Yorkers when they're rushing off to work. They're, they're busy people. They're building the world. They've got things All right, in their mind. All right, what do you want me to well, do? I want to explode the cliche that New Yorkers are rude. Look at this. Just look around. It, it's beautiful. Nobody's grouchy in Central Park on a Sunday. Look at that. People playing volleyball. They're playing shuffleboard. People are feeding pigeons. Look. Oh, there you see. Oscar's <laughs> playing softball. Now, this won't take long, will it? Why? What's your hurry? Well, I've got to pick my mother up at the airport. Your mother? She's coming here? Mm -hmm. Where's she going to stay? With you? Yes. For how long? A couple of weeks. You mean she's going to be there all the time? Well, I guess so. You mean we? I guess not. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're sorry, and after you just got over a cold. <laughs> These things happen, you know. Yes, they happen all the time to me. change my cliches. I'm allowed to do that. Come here, come here, Mary. Help me. Yeah. Help me. No, now, you two. What do you want me to do? Beat the hell out of Mary. <laughs> yeah. Now I'll explode the cliche that New Yorkers are indifferent to someone in trouble. They'll come over to help. Yeah, and I'll get arrested. No, then I'll explain to them what's going on. Go, go. Beat. <laughs> this so, is going to be interesting. So <laughs> with you. I gotta beat up a woman. What do you hit her? Well, you just, you take her, you ah! beat her. Oh, no. It's her first, it's her first. He's first. taking her purse! Oh, oh, he's taking her. my purse! Ah, anyway, Look what this man is doing! Help. Okay, run off. Run off, move first. Hey, you! Come back! Come back here, you! Don't come back! Come back! Pull the purse high! Look, what, look where he went! Why doesn't somebody help this girl? Why don't you? Get up, you look ridiculous. Get out of here! It's her purse. So that's kind of the first, or some of the more concrete proof that Felix and Miriam are not platonic. Yeah, about time. It's season five. But it still <laughs> indicates maybe a friends with benefits relationship because he's still dating other people, and she doesn't seem to care one way or another. Right. Well, that you know, maybe that is the best. Maybe that's uh, exactly what's intended and, and a perfectly plausible thing. Uh, they're kind of, they're neighbors. Uh, so, <laughs> so they can be casual. They have their own places. I don't know. Um, she comes and goes. I mean, I'd be curious, like, why is she just not, not around for weeks at a time? But yeah, we, don't, um, we don't know her but job. But it's certainly right? the most interest that uh, Felix has expressed in her physically, yeah. We don't know what she does for a living, right? We never found we've never found that out. No. Uh, and then, of course, well, there's to the... be fair, I should say she's only this is her third season. She came in in season three, right? I can't remember. Yes, because we had that whole intro for her. The computer yeah. dating yeah. episode was her first uh, appearance. And then we have the 
but still, we don't know what she does for a living, correct? Oh, no, no, no. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a, you know, a very 70s gay joke with him holding a purse. Yes. Where, well, Oscar has to say, yeah, stop the wisecrack. But yeah. I, I, I think that's a surprisingly funny scene. Why? So it's good. Why surprisingly? Well, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's the most basic dumb physical comedy, but things like, you know, go go run away and then you come back <laughs> yeah come back. yeah yeah <laughs> it just is so the way they plug into those with such sincerity yeah uh, and i love how he, he felix is trying to direct him how to mug her and first he steals the purse and then starts hitting her with the purse yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um and the and, and and why don't you is a, is yeah, also funny yes yeah. Uh, so now we have Felix again, more street scenes. Felix is back in real yeah, central. Park. Again, with the now, you know, odd candidate we noted probably breaks the record for the most uh, New York location footage. But it's like we one well, maybe we should compare the costumes. Like you know, did they they must have done these on the same trip? Uh, Felix sits on a Central Park bench next to a mother who's smoking a cigarette and her son who looks about thirteen. And we can't hear what they say, but based on Felix's hand gestures, he's talking about the fact that she oh. is smoking and oh, shouldn't okay. be. Yeah, you can yeah. see because he does some hand gestures that indicates I that this smoking That's is so bad. funny that you, I didn't notice that, but all I wasn't paying attention because all I was thinking is like, wow, that mother's smoking. Yeah, right. And he points that out. <laughs> In front of her kid. But... And then the kid just like checks him right off the bench. It is, <laughs> it is, a, I mean, this is not what happens in New York. <laughs> um well and, and also it is rude of felix too it is rude for felix to do that um, yeah, in front of her son and uh and uh you know and it was it was only the 70s people were still smoking a lot although we own tony Rand again tony randall personally yes right smoking, uh, yeah campaign, but the, the kid checks him off the bench uh then we see felix crossing the street at central park west that seems to be the same street as the car scene and which is outside of the uh, San, San Remo. And this is odd. There's a child playing in the street, like where cars go in a puddle. I couldn't quite tell what this kid was doing. Could you? He's sitting there. I forget. He had no toys. It was just. There may have. There was something in the puddle that I couldn't tell, but I don't know why he was kneeling in front of a puddle on a street that has cars going on it. It was not obvious to me what the kid was doing. And Felix starts to talk to him and the kid just splashes the puddle water on Felix. <laughs> There's a lot uh, of mean children in this episode. I like it. It's true. Pan, we pan back up a fake 1049 Park Avenue. Oscar's bringing clothes for his trip to the Bahamas from the bedroom to the living room where there's an open suitcase. He's wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt, which is important to know because that comes up later. Uh, Miriam walks in and says, haven't you packed yet? You're leaving in a little while. And he throws clothing in the suitcase, in the suitcase. He dumps out more clothing from a laundry bag and says, it only takes me a minute to pack there. Miriam says, you're taking your dirty laundry to the Bahamas. Oscar says, that's my queen stuff. Miriam says, where's Felix? Oscar says, he's out trying to explode cliches. And that's where we pick up uh, our next clip. He's out trying to explode cliches. I feel so sorry for him. He's really discouraged. <laughs> Was it raining out? What happened, Felix? Miriam, would you mind leaving me alone with Oscar for just a minute? Oh, sure, I'll see you later. Have a nice trip, Oscar. All right, honey, I'll see you when I get back. Bye-bye. Why'd you send her out? I didn't want her to see me fall apart. She thinks I'm macho. What happened? 
vicious child splashed me. Oh, go off to the Bahamas. Go with your victory. I can see it. I can see it. Oh, come on, buddy. Now don't take it so hard. Look, you're going to still see me off to the boat, aren't you? Yeah, sure. We'll go through the park. We'll watch the lovers holding hands up. We'll see the tree. Hear the bird? Oh, come on, Phoenix, please. No. All right, I'll change my clothes. We'll get a cab. No, we, we're going to have to go by subway. The cabs are on the strike. Is there no end? Is there no end? New York! Why are you doing this to me? Why? Why? Why me, your most loyal son? Shut up down there! Could you see who it was? Miriam's mother. Now, do you think that was a man's voice or a woman's voice? I was just thinking, I'm dying to know who, uh, not necessarily a man's. I'd like to think it's Eleanor Donahue, like putting on a funny voice, maybe. It's a funny, it's a funny bit. Mother is very funny. Yeah. So the next shot, yes. For what also is funny is uh, (laughs) she thinks I'm macho. Yeah. There's that word again, remember? Macho. Were that well, when did we last hear it? I don't remember. That's his wife's boyfriend, season two. Oh, right, 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 right. With, the, uh, the ski bomb. Yeah, with <laughs> uh, what was the brother's name? Ray. Ray. Next shot, we see an entrance to the New York City subway. Uh, a per- there's a person standing on the steps, just waiting, holding an umbrella, but we can't see his or her face because there's a subway sign in front of it. And the street is not visible, so we don't know. Don't know where it is, but it's going. It's it's. it's it's going down into the subway, uh, obviously. Uh, inside the studio subway set, we see a mar- first we see a Marine recruitment sign that says, we don't promise you a road garden. The Marines are looking for a few good men, which is a real Marine campaign, pretty famous at the time. Uh, the man in the poster was a real Marine drill instructor named Charles Taliano. The photo My was taken. You really did your research on this. The photo was taken in 1968, shortly before he was honorably discharged. Uh, around the poster, we see two bits of graffiti. You're standing on my toe, and the door is like your mouth. It's always open. The camera pulls back, and now we Wait, see... Why do, you, why do you think they included this? Is this like uh, a, another New York joke? Like, you know, you take something like the Marine poster, right, which is to- so American and, and proper and... Uh, uh, and and it, that New Yorkers are so rude they would even insult uh, de- to, to um, desecrate a uh, Marine post. I think you're overthinking. I just think in the 70s, graffiti was the, the, a big thing on the subway. And so they just made, wanted to make sure it looked authentic. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the camera pulls back and we now see that that poster and the graffiti isn't on the subway, in the subway um lobby platform platform thank you um we actually see it's on the it's on the subway car itself and then we pull back more and the subway doors open and we can see that outside the subway door that this is 72nd street which at the time had to be on the west side and would be one block away from the sam remo uh but would be nowhere near 1049 so this is a continuity error not proof that they moved (laughs) well uh well, maybe, uh, no, you, I thought the same thing, right? Because, um, and you know, there, 
Oh, now, if we set it today, there finally is a 70 yes, second Yes, I was going to say that. Side, right. right. Yeah. Yes. But not near um, 1049 Park Avenue. Uh, but it, right. They must be, they must have had in mind the, the, uh, the 72nd Broadway station or, or or actually no I'm sorry they have in mind the one that's actually under the Dakota Central sorry Central Park West which is now an ACE a CE station yeah because the IRT uh, Avenue line well wait a second well technically I believe the IRT which is what he they oh, say they're on oh, became the numbered line so I think this is 72nd and Broadway oh. maybe 72nd and Central Park the ACE does wouldn't go to Wherever. Well, then that raises another question: Where are they going? Well, they're going. They're not going. He's getting a cruise. Oh, that's right. He's not going to the airport. He's going to the cruise. They're so he's probably go, so he's probably going downtown to the to the dock. He's going to the west side downtown. I don't know. Like where the south? Where the, I don't. Uh, Staten where, Island ferry is yeah, I don't know where cruise ships stop. South ferry. But I, maybe in those days. But there's also cruise ships in Brooklyn today. I don't know where they would have been oh. in the seventies. I'm sure they didn't put any thought into this. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to, you know, float a possible theory that still uh, makes it not a continuity problem, which is that Felix and Oscar uh, get a bus to connect to the, uh, to that train. Just like Uh, today, if you wanted to go the South Ferry from the East side, you would have to take a cross town and then connect to the subway. Or you just get an Uber. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. What's, why does he need a cab to get an Uber? Yeah, I, I, of course, it frustrates me to no end that Oscar doesn't leave in enough time to he should be getting there hours early because you are that kind of traveler. I'm kind of a tried traveler and somebody who I am that kind of traveler and anyone who's not, I don't want to be around, especially in New York. It's crazy. So the camera pulls back more. And now we see Gary Marshall himself sitting yes. inside the subway car, looking disheveled, reading the newspaper. Werner Turner. Yes. You think the, he's Werner Turner? No, I because he clearly is a different person. Actually, Werner Turner seemed like a nice guy. Um, we see that the subway platform is littered with newspapers. Then we see a young kid walk on, and we briefly see that Scatman Crothers is sitting on the other side of the door across from Gary Marshall as a blind man with a dog. So let's talk about him for a second. He was born in 1910 as Benjamin Sherman Crothers. He started singing, performing, and doing radio in the 20s and 30s. A radio station manager named him Scatman due to his scat singing. He moved to L.A. in the 40s. He continued performing, doing nightclubs and lots of entertainment activities. He started acting in the movies and TV in the 50s, which is notable for breaking the color barrier. He was on many TV shows, including Alfred Hitchcock, Dragnet, Bewitched, Love American Style, Kojak, Ironside. He was in one of the one episode of Roots, Vegas and the Love Boat. His most famous roles are in The Shining because he was a close friend of Jack Nicholson, which I didn't know until I did some research. That's too bad, since uh, Jack Nicholson has to uh, chop him up with an axe in that movie. Spoilers for those. Oh, episodes. sorry. Uh, as he was a series regular on Shield and the Man, and, yes. also, and also One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, speaking of Jack Nicholson. Also with Jack Nicholson, right. You know, it's funny. Okay, so I was trying to place this, though. We're still in the fall of 74. Chico and the Man was after this. Later. uh chico man came after this i believe that was either 75 to 77 or the fall of, or, or it could have been um the same hold on we're looking it up now no it was this season september 74 so a he could do both because this isn't that big a role or b they filmed this before no i, I guess this would, this, he did filmed, a- this would have been filmed uh in sometime in september possibly 
Uh, for maybe, yeah. So I have a feeling he could balance doing. I mean, he wasn't in every scene of Chico and the Man. He's clearly in only one scene mm. here. So I can see him do both. So that was well, seventy. The reason I ask is that yeah, he um, I associate him with particularly this. He had this real run starting at this moment with from the mid to late seventies, which included Chico and the Man, Silver Streak. I'll always remember him from. He's oh. the uh, train porter in silver street hong kong fooey he did voice also, work. i'm seeing he's the voice of hong kong Fui, which i also see is 74 75 and then the shining and night filmed in 1979 released in 1980 so he had oh. a, an amazing run during those five years oh, and he's here the, it all is starting at this moment in the he's the voice of hong kong Fui. yes indeed ted oh i really then i i goofed up i should have uh, caught that That's, in my but, research to some people that might be his most famous you're right you're right i'm glad you mentioned that i i was i saw voice work in his yeah. credits <laughs> and i just i usually we don't usually cover voice work because it's usually not that big a deal and it's stuff we've for never the heard George of. Jesse guy. right yes which we did cover at the time because <laughs> that stood out um and yes. i also think i knew that going into it but as i'm thinking of hong kong Fui's voice now it now, of course, sounds to me like Scatman Crothers. I hadn't thought about it, so I'm really glad you mentioned it um, because I'm sure somebody at home would be. Maybe, you know, Cuckoo's Nest was just before this, like 73, and so um, that might have gotten him this uh, added attention. So Felix and Oscar, they go to get on the train, but a man runs in front of them before he can, before they get on. And this is another recognizable person. This is Barney Martin. Who's most notable yes. for playing Jerry Seinfeld's father on Seinfeld? The for Seinfeld Odd Couple universes converge once again. Uh, although he was the second Morty, as you probably know, there was Phil Bruns who played Morty in one episode, and also um, George's father was also played yes. by John Randolph in like and one. Just episode. like Oscar's mother is played by two different. Actors. Yes, yes, it's all coming together. Uh, Felix and Oscar sit down on the subway. The set behind them seems to move it does move and they found a way to make the show this train seem like it's in motion which is pretty impressive effect actually and the audience applauds i think this is the they only they're certainly impressed yeah i think this is the only time in the show where the audience applause because yeah. of a set uh <laughs> right. not laugh at oscar's set room but impressed by the special effects of the show yeah yeah. Uh, and my guess is they had these sets on wheels or something and just were able to like on a dolly you're in stage what do you how do you it's think even this is done? easier than that. it's just like the back wall is on uh they they, the, they can just roll the black the back wall out of the way but it's on must be on wheel is that's what i'm saying i think it's you're saying it's, it's, it's like a, a yeah it's a flat that is on wheels and they just wheel it to the side yeah that's what i said you said it's easy and easier than I said, but it's what exactly what I said. Um, I guess I'm okay. I would say that it's even easier than you're implying. I see. Uh, so sitting next to Felix on the train is Billy Sands making his fourth appearance. He was Roger Doctor, and he was in other episodes. He'll always have. be Roger Doctor. Oscar says, "I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm starting a trip to the Bahamas on the IRT." So IRT, which we don't say anymore here in New York, was an acronym for Interborough Rapid Transit Company, which was a private company that New York City bought in 1940 um, and became the numbered lines that people do refer to today. I think people still do that, yes. So basically, yeah, the history of New York City transit system 
is that it started with private, BMT and IRT were private com co companies covering different territory. Yes. It was Brooklyn, Brooklyn Manhattan. Um, and then the city just basically took over the whole thing in the 40s and kind of merged them under its own auspices. But oddly enough, like my father still said BMT and IRT to his the last days, you know, well into the 21st century. So people who lived through the 20th century like kept referring to that. Yes, right. That makes sense. But I think- And I noticed, I thought about this. I'm glad you defined it, Ted, because I, uh, that shot of the subway station. Yeah. That sent me down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out the subway station said IRT and BMT. Yes. It didn't say numbers. I thought Correct. that was weird because I thought, didn't they have the numbers by then? No, I didn't. Did you figure out when the numbers were introduced? I didn't. Well, it was, that's what I mean. Was a, it's very hard. It was very hard for me to, to determine. It seemed like the city started using the, system, the new number system, but it's not clear when it became common usage and when the signs were started going up. So that, that location shot could be a stock footage that's not from 1974, it could be from any time earlier, but it's possible it was, they were not, the numbers and the letters were not widely used yet, which is why so many people growing up around that time who, who were adults at that time still said IRT Indian. I remember in the, when growing up in the, started taking the, I didn't take the train very much, but I feel like, I guess when I, you were two. Well, actually, we two. could have, yeah, we could, our parents might've taken us on the train. Uh, I, 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 I think I only remember numbers, but honestly, it's a little hazy. So, uh, and just one more thing yes. while we've paused on that line of Oscars. Yes. What's Oscar's problem with the subway? Right. Well, uh, it's interesting. So, well, let me finish because I let me. Okay. Here's what you're referring to. So, uh, Felix says, "At least you're leaving. I ride the subway every day of my life." And Oscar says, "I haven't been on a subway in five years." So. I don't take the sub. I've also have not ridden the subway in five years as me personally, Ted. I, How did you go from where you live to 30 Rock? Uh, Uber. Uh, or I used to take Via, which was a shared ride. Yes, that was, and Via's gone. And now I take Uber uh, because I'm, it's, I just, uh, the, the fear of getting trapped underground, which is what this episode is about. Mm -hmm. I am not willing to, I just, I can't deal with it. Uh, it's not, I mean, there's stories these days about the crime in New York City subway, but honestly, as we see here, that's always been the case. It's just, I don't want to deal with the antiquated system. So, and we do see that Oscar's always taking cabs in the show. Like in the opening credits, he's getting out of a cab. Well, they all are, right. They never, they, and yeah, they never show the subway. Right, so he clearly doesn't like the subway for- Although Felix has, I believe Felix has referenced Maybe they both have, but I do, I can think of times where Felix says something happened. On, oh, yes. wait a minute, wait a minute. Oscar is lying. We yeah. just had an episode recently where Oscar had to borrow money from Felix, right? Yeah. And what was the excuse he came up with of the $500? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what his, that was his excuse. <laughs> that was a lie. No, that was a lie. Oh, oh okay. You're right. His excuse was that he, he got his arm caught in the subway. I see you that it was a lie. Yeah. So, but Felix believed it. So Felix didn't know this. That I do crazy. find it hard to believe that Oscar. A New had, Yorker. I mean, yeah, a New Yorker in the 70s when there's only cabs or buses or subways. And maybe he takes the bus. Also, either oh, way, he doesn't live that far from the office. Well, wait a minute. Whether he's on the Upper East Side or the Upper West Side, he if could, his office is indeed 1501 Broadway, as yeah. it's shown in the middle of Times Square. Yeah. Um, 
if he that's where I'm being on the Upper West Side would help. But if he's at 1040 on Park Avenue, which is within the last five years at least, uh, I mean, five years means the run of the series when he says that. Um, yeah, that would be a hard trip to do. Well, you know what he could also do? He could walk. <laughs> okay. Yes. I walk home every day from 30 Rock to where I live, four and a half miles. Well, that's, that is great exercise. He would be in better shape for that decathlon. To do. That's true. That's true. All right. So now let's play the first part of the subway, actual subway scene. Tell you how much we missed you. <laughs> Man's got a big mouth. Don't talk to nuts on the subway. Be happy. Smile. You're going off on a wonderful trip. You're wearing your beautiful Bahama shirt. Such a good time for two weeks. I'm going to have fresh air. A lot of women gamble. I'm going to eat. I envy you. I envy you. What are you wanting to glitter people? (laughs) Where are we? I don't know. We seem to be in a tunnel. Look at your shirt. You see the hostility? That's your typical New Yorker. You thought you saw hostility in the park? Wait till you see it here in the dark. No, no, you're wrong. Now you're really going to see something. I was right. You'll see. Remember, during the blackout, a crisis brings out the best in New Yorkers. It brings people closer together. Anybody gets closer to me, they'll lose their face. (laughs) Just keep your mouth shut. The secret is. You get people involved. You ask them to help. Oh, sweet. Mm. Say, folks. <laughs> Anybody in this car got a flashlight? I don't hear anything. What? It's dark. They can't hear in the dark. <laughs> anybody in our car? Anybody got a flashlight? Yeah, and if anybody comes near me, I'll hit him over the head with it. She heard you pretty good. Would you turn it on, please? It's broken. Well, why do you carry it? To hit people over the head with <laughs> We've been able to restore partial power. However, the train will be stuck here indefinitely. Have a nice day. No, no, no. You're going to make it. And if I don't, it's not the Staten Island Ferry. They don't have one leaving every 10 minutes. You're setting the wrong mood. Relax. Be friendly. Hey, what am I, a library? Can be civil to the New Yorker. Folks! is Felix Unger. Backwards, that's Skilliff Regnu. I didn't like it frontwards. <laughs> now, I think we should all try to cooperate in a crisis, don't you? I mean, after all, that's what New Yorkers are famous for. Let's all see what we can do for each other. Well, I got some food. My wife and I were going on a picnic. You see? You see? Now, there's the right attitude. I'll bet there are a lot of people here who are hungry. Well, I got some apples here, a dollar a piece. <laughs> The sandwiches are four dollars, and the coffee is seventy cents a cup. That's outrageous. It's expensive to eat out. Four dollars for a sandwich? They're individually wrapped. I can't believe this. I can't. Listen, lady, you'll be begging for this food, and then the prices will go up. Listen, you got a tuna fish salad. No, 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 no! Don't encourage him, people. Let's work together. Let's help each other. Felix. Yes, sir. How come you and your friend are the only ones sitting under the only fan that's operating? 
Good point. Very good point. Tell you what. We'll take turns sitting under the fan. You see, people are starting to cooperate. I want to take turns. Yes, yes, yes. We'll all take turns. Just a minute. Me first. All right. This lady is first. Then in a little while, somebody else will sit under the fan. When I'm good and ready. Fair enough. Claustrophobia. You got that? No, I just hope I don't get it. What are you talking about, claustrophobia? There's no need to panic if you want some fresh air. We'll get some fresh air. All you gotta do is come in here! Don't get excited. Don't panic. No need. Just keep calm. Just keep calm, Oscar. Everybody, just be relaxed. Yeah, I think it's time for Harvey Hanky to come Who's out. Harvey Hanky? Don't you remember Harvey Hanky? Give me your pen. Saved many a dull party in the old fraternity house. That's right. When people feel like panicking, you take out Harvey. What the heck is that? Yes. Hi there, folks. My name is Harvey Hanky. If you think it's stuffy here in this subway car, you want to try living in a Harvey Hanky fan. Um, <laughs> Apparently, uh, uh, the only uh, trivia I found on this episode is that uh, Mark Rothman says that Tony Randall, that was Tony Randall's own personal bit that so, he had yeah. done for a long time. So, in case it got cut off, at the beginning, Gary Marshall's character says, Can't tell you how much we missed you when Oscar, After first- Oscar says, yeah. I haven't taken the subway in five years. Um, what I don't think I quite, the, so there's the reference to glitter people when the train stops <laughs> short, Oscar, like, kind of almost leans into Gary Marshall. What are you one of the glitter people? I don't get it. I don't get it either. It's some hippie reference, I guess. But what did it have to, I mean, I glitter people was a thing, Gary glitter, all that stuff, that music was going on at the time. I just don't understand what it's to do with him leaning into. Well, uh, he's getting all touchy feely. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's a gay thing. I don't know. We now Um, know that Gary Marshall's character is dumb. Because he doesn't know what claustrophobia is. <laughs> no, but it's funny. Uh, now, Felix says to Oscar, don't you remember Harvey Hanke? And why do, if, if this is Felix's fraternity gag, mm-hmm. what does that have to do with <laughs> Oscar knowing Harvey Hanke? Right. Well, I don't think he's implying that they went to college together. No, 
But why does he say, don't you remember? Now, if he said, don't you remember? We, if he had done this at some of Felix and Oscar's parties. Right. Okay. Well, but that he doesn't, seems more. But he doesn't reference likely. them. Likely. But uh, why not say that? Don't you remember? <laughs> in 1969, <laughs> yes. we brought this out. He doesn't say that. Well, I, I think what, uh, you know, well, given what I just said, that it was a, a gag that Tony Randall liked to do at parties, he probably is having a confusion of reality and fiction. <laughs> I see. <laughs> that maybe Jack Klugman in real life has seen Tony Randall do this. So the angry lady with the flashlight who sits on the fan, she's played by Fritzy Burr in the first of two odd couple episodes. Uh, the, the, we'll talk about her again when she comes back. Uh, her filmed acting career goes back to 67. She was on such TV shows as Love American Style, One Day at a Time, Starsky and Hutch, Wonder Woman, Sanford and Son, What's Happening, The Rockford Files, Quincy, and you again. <laughs> Me? You again being the show that came after The Odd Couple because Jack Klugman had a sitcom before The Odd Couple called Harris Against the World. Right. Uh, I hear about that? She was also on Seinfeld. Speaking of uh, Seinfeld. Here we go. It's all the patterns. And I looked up her episode. There's a there. Uh, it's the handicap spot episode. It's not I don't like that episode. It's one of the few yeah. Seinfeld episodes I don't like. Uh, she's playing Mahjong with George's mom. Well, guess what? What? That funny enough. You would think, oh, she must know. Oh, never mind. But no, uh, what? it's not a Barney. Doesn't have to do. With, <laughs> doesn't have to do with Barney Martin. It has to do with the other father. Yeah. Cast the 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 Jerry the, Stiller the handicap parking episode was the first debut of Frank Costanza as played by another actor, John Randolph. John Randolph, who Jerry Stiller had to replace, and they refilmed those scenes with Jerry for syndication, Stiller. right? But that's the episode. Oh, that is interesting, actually. <laughs> Um, during the scene, Oscar just grabs a newspaper out of Gary Marshall's hands, which is very rude. Yeah. And then Oscar's like indignant about how dare you not let me just take your newspaper out of your hands. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, in case for those who, I don't know, don't know, but Harvey Hankey is a handkerchief with a face drawn on it. Uh, during the Harvey Hankey scene, we see two more train passengers. We see uh, an attractive young woman and a very heavy set man. Now, the man seems to actually enjoy Felix's, Felix's shtick. They cut to him and he's laughing. He's the only one. Yes. Uh, he's played by Ben Fromer. This is his second odd couple. His first odd couple is one of the season one episodes that we actually talked about oscar's ulcer where at the end he's sitting in the mexican restaurant and he's got the waitress yes. on his lap and yes, this I guy agree. is behind him just yes. scarfing down food because he's a fat guy so, so, so this guy what's his name again the ben actor? fromer ben fromer seems to have one job in the odd couple he, yeah. he has not when they need a non-speaking part for a fat man or a heavyset individual uh a full-figured gentleman uh he is just supposed to sit there and be a sight gag whether it's that he's having massive indigestion from, uh, oh no, he's freaked out when he's eating his food that Felix keeps saying like your stomach's a time bomb and he like leaves and then he gives up on his food and leaves. So there he looks very distressed. And in this one, his job is to kind of like be amused by Felix. I think this job you're describing is, is, is what he has to do in every show. He's got 165 IMDb credits, but they're all listed as uncredited. He was on Quincy. <laughs> he was on Untouchables, F Troop, Mission Impossible, Gunsmoke, Adam 12, Marcus Welby, and Quincy. All right. So we're going to devote a few episodes to watching all of those and tracking whether he ever has any lines. I do have all Quincy's on DVD. All right. Cool. 
The woman who will have a role in the next segment uh, is played by Heather Lowe, who is on acted on such shows, not Quincy, Love American Style, Happy Days, SWAT, Canon, Dallas, Days of Our Lives. Okay, so after the commercial, we're still on the train. It's exactly where we ended up. Um, and uh, we're going to play now the last eight minutes. Well, we're not the, the final eight minutes of the show before the tag. Which is uh, the why rest of the subway scene. Exactly. Thank you. Who else shall we chat with around here? Pencil Felix? Pencil. Yes, that's a very good idea. I have a pencil. How much? Two dollars. <laughs> Two dollars for a pencil. Okay. Swell. Thank you very much. This pencil's all chewed. Don't you have a better one? There we are. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, I've got a pencil here. Well, no need to feel bored or restless on the subway. Plenty to keep you amused around here. You just have your eyes open. Learn to draw. Anybody want to draw? I got a $2 pencil. What will I do with this pencil? Okay. Let's see what we've got here. Oh, find employment through the New York Herald. Oh, isn't that clever how they abbreviate all the words just like in an ad? In curse earnings, get good job. And a lot of people here would like to get a good job. Huh? Oscar, would you like a good job? Like it to shut you. <laughs> Meet Miss Rapid Transit of the Month. Arlene Patelsky. Oh, she's a very good-looking girl, much better than last month. Boy, they touched these pictures up plenty of them. <laughs> you are? Yes. You're Arlene Patelsky? Yes. Oh, wow! We've got a celebrity in our car. Hey, this is this Rapid Transit. Meet her. Hey, wouldn't you like to say something hey, to her? Wouldn't you like to go outside and kiss the third rail? <laughs> Don't be shy. Ask her something. Well, how about getting this train moving? Me? Huh? Yeah, if you're such a big shot around here, let's see some action. What oh. can I do? Sure, sure, Miss Rapid Transit. Probably to conduct this girlfriend. You said it, pal. Sure, if I played footsie with a conductor, my picture would be up there, too. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody's girlfriend. Well, then what are you doing tonight? Because I'm going to miss the cruise. I know a person who Please. I'm only a model. This is my first time on a subway. I'm... Oh, wow. Oh. That's supposed to be up there all month. Some people are so crude. This is a job for Harvey. Thank you. Oh, it's... Oh, it's worse. Oh. Uh. Why don't you and that rotten hanky sit down and leave everybody alone? It's a nose job. All right, give me a sandwich. What do you got? Have you been eating up all the profits? That's why we'll never get ahead. All I got is liverwurst. That's $8 now. $8? Are you kidding? Give me half. Nothing doing. I'm not cutting up my last sandwich. Who wants to go have on a liverwurst sandwich? Chisler. Oh, all right. That's good. Oh. Wait, there's tax. In your ear, there's going to be tax. Hey, there. How are you, fella? Huh? What's the Something wrong with this dog? He looks okay to me. <laughs> Dog looks okay to you. 
Can you see this dog? Big dog. <laughs> You're not blind. <laughs> Have you no shame? All right, it's my brother's Bernie's dog. I always take him out when I need a few bucks. wrong with this dog she's gonna have puppies who are you marlin perkins we don't have to be an expert to know she's about to give birth and she's about ready can you do anything to help her i don't know how she don't know how from ohio but somebody's got to help the dog my brother's a doctor is he on the train no well, why are you wasting my time for how about felix how about well he knew how to make a hanky talk i figure he knows everything can help the dog. Why should he? He's fed up and I don't blame him. Boy, you guys would take the spirit out of anybody. You with your newspaper and your smart cracks. You with your $8 sandwiches. Yeah, phony blind guy selling up chewed up pencils for $2. Well, you guys sure took it out of him. You know, he was the last loyal New Yorker left. I'm going to tell you something. We're lucky if he doesn't move out of the city forever. We should help the dog. Come yeah. on. Yeah, right, we'll do Come something. On. I don't know. What's the deal? Maybe we can help him. Yeah, I never thought to help him. If you do know something about helping the dog, you should do it, you know? Dogs don't need any help. They know how to do it all by themselves. They do? Of course. Hey, I better tell them. They're really no, worried. No, no, Why not? Now you're going to see a cliche exploded. Felix, listen, we've all been talking, and we're sorry. The guy with the newspapers, I'll give you one. And the fellow with the sandwich, you can have anything he has. And you can even sit under the fan... But if you know anything about helping that dog, could you tell us how to do it? Well, let's take a little look. Uh, See what we ought to do here. Hey, here comes Bill. Okay, let's give the dog plenty of air. Lie down, sweetheart. Lie down. I tell you, we need newspapers. We'll spread newspapers on the floor. That's right. Now, next thing we need, we need hot water. Who's got hot water? I do. I was saving it for tea, but I'll take the loss. Good, good, great. Can now. I help? Yes, we need bed sheets. Where am I going to find bed sheets on a subway? Mm, good question. Men's shirts. All the men, give me your shirts. Yes, sure. not you. You don't have to do it. Okay. <laughs> now, you fan the dog with your shirts. Give, him, give her plenty of air and just be patient. Don't get her excited. Yes. You see what I'm talking about? That gruffness, that's just a pose. That's just a mask. This is the real New Yorker. This is what people come from out of town to meet and to love. <laughs> You sure fooled me, I'm telling you. I'm going to write an article about this situation that's going to make you very happy. You're going to apologize to New York, huh? I apologize, New York. And I think you owe me an apology. I apologize, Felix Unger. And I think you should apologize to me. I'm not going to apologize to Harvey Hank. Now, uh, 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 u
Please transfer to the Amazon platform. Uh, this train is going to the railroad yard for repairs. You'll take your cruise ticket back and you'll get a refund. And then you'll spend your vacation in the most popular vacation spot on Earth. Where's that? New York City. I live in New York City. You ever been to the top of the Empire State Building? No. You ever seen the Statue of Liberty? No. You're a typical New Yorker. You'll take the bus to Orchard Beach, you'll put on your army shoes, you'll walk in the sand. <laughs> and you'll see what a railroad yard looks like. It's ridiculous that they're just strolling very slowly off the subway car. I which, guess. where the joke is that the uh, it's the last stop of the train, which sounds like it could be South Ferry, that is the last oh, it's Times Square. Oh, oh, they, right. They show the sign, but they have to bring it to the That's railroad. That's weird. Yard. Then why? Oh, they're taking it out of commission. Yeah, because it lost power. Yeah, but the fact so that they they're just stuck on the train. Yeah. So the visual gag, folks, is that you know, Oscar did not. Yeah, they're too uh, leisurely getting off the train, and then they end up going to the depot. When Felix asks, "What do I do with this pencil?" Everyone looks at him, as as if to say, "Shove it up your ass." Uh, when Felix notices the billboard for the New York Herald. And then starts to talk to Oscar. I was surprised he doesn't mention to everyone this is the New York Herald's fam- famous Oscar Madison. And even when he said his name, you would think someone, one of the guys fact, on the train. This is like one of the few cases where someone doesn't, spontaneously yeah. does not say, you're my favorite sports writer, right. Oscar Madison. He seems to be very famous in the series. Yeah. And you would think given the need to have a discussion topic, yes. he would mention that. Uh, also, what what maybe hard to figure out from the clip is that a kid the kid we saw get on the subway uh early on he vandalizes the poster with a of arlene polatsky in front of her patolsky yes uh well well, she's well she gets up and talking to felix and then he marks up the the poster of her with graffiti with his marker while she's talking to felix Felix. yeah right but presumably he's on the same subway car. Yeah, he must be across. You know, there are seats on the other side of the train. <laughs> but it's like, that's, that's kind of ballsy to do that and uh, just be sitting there the rest of the time. Uh, and if Felix, when Felix says, you don't have to about taking off your shirt, he's talking to the fat man. Of course. Which is a funny thing. what he's side. there for. Yeah. Uh, so now we have the tag, unless you have something. I mean, it's eight minutes. Do you have, I don't have more to say about it. Do you what have it is. a missing uh, musical? Oh, yes. Sorry. I was going to get to. Oh, you're right. You're right. We're going to do that now. Yes. So um, uh, there is. So when we when you. Yes, there's a clearly a clip in there where you hear the end of the the song. Puppies are born. Yes. And so uh, they sing Get My Guard. The tail end of it right there where Paramount has very, again, like just clumsily cut in that where they're clearly in the middle of a song. That was a good pun. Puppies, tail end. Oh. Uh, thank you for reminding me so yes we have the clip of what they're actually singing in the televised episode um that we hear cut off there
my dad, who was a big, who was does a lot of stuff with Broadway, used to sing that song to me when I was growing up. So I have a fondness for that song. It's one of the first George songs. I, I heard. Yeah, yes. that's not my father. That's not what you're no. saying. <laughs> no, I did not mean to imply that. Yeah, no. um, he did write the song. Though. Uh, yeah. Two things about that. Um, yeah. One, I just want to fact check myself. A little while ago, I said. I, uh, I thought that uh, Scatman Crothers already had appeared in One Flew Over to the Cuckoo's Nest, but no, that in fact came out in 1975, like in the following summer or fall. After oh, I after thought you summer. were right. I thought it was before that. So I guess what, I don't know what it was that suddenly made him so hot in, 19, in the fall of 1974. Uh, the other thing is, yeah, what a shame to cut out a, a Tony Randall Scatman Crothers duet, yeah. which is probably the only recording of such a thing we have. And um but this, uh, that cut reminds me of how I believe there was a part of the scene that was cut from syndication to sort of balance this off. Um, that the whole, when we came back from commercial, the whole riff on with the pencil and the reading the ads on the subway and the dialogue with Arlene, uh, yeah. all of that I think was, I don't remember. I, I'm sure it was cut from syndication. And which means like, I never knew about that. They had the Miss Turnstiles or whatever she's called. What, so what, what uh, Miss, I can't remember what, what uh, Miss Transit maybe what, uh, Transit, what yeah. so what did they come back? To? I didn't know who she was. I don't think, I think I watched this growing up, not knowing who that character was supposed so, to be. So what did they come back to? They came, uh, whatever would have been right after the, probably right after the graffiti on the kid. Oh, maybe, maybe the dog, them saying the dog was ill. Maybe. I don't know. I'll okay. have to go back. All right. I'll anyway. check. That'll be my homework for next. Okay. Uh, so we have a tag now. Uh, Felix walks to the apartment with a, with a camera bag. Oscar's typing. Felix asks how he's doing. Oscar says, good. Felix says, do you know what today is? Oscar says, Thursday. Felix says, uh-uh, guest again. Oscar says, what? Felix says, it's a very important anniversary. And Oscar says, oh, yes. Belmont Racetrack's 40th year, which, by the way, is not true. Belmont Racetrack <laughs> opened in 1905. So this would have been near its 70th anniversary. Felix is wrong, absolutely dead wrong. It is eight weeks of the day that we were trapped in the subway. Oscar says so. Felix says, I brought you a little memento. Oscar says what? Then Felix takes out a puppy from the camera bag. And the audience applauds. Oscar says, I don't believe it. Felix says, isn't that something? Oscar says, what are you going to call him? Felix says, I'm calling him Yawbus. Oscar says, Yawbus, what's that? Felix says, Subway spelled backwards. So this is supposed to be one of the, he must have went, he went back to Scatman Crothers or actually Scatman's brother. Yeah. <laughs> Remember he says that was my, my, my brother's dog and asked for one of the puppies. Or remember Mel said they're all getting together for lunch. Oh, right. So maybe they bought some puppies to lunch or something. Which Oscar didn't go to. Right. Uh, but the bigger problem is where the fuck is this dog after this show? What? I'm cursing. Really? Yeah. We never see <laughs> Yawbus. He's never referred to. This is just like when Ralph got the parrot in uh, in the Honeymooners when uh, Ralph uh, got uh, Fortune. Oh. You know the episode where Ralph thinks he's inheriting a lot of money? Oh. Famous honeymoon episode where Ralph inherits a fortune. And actually is also, now that you mention it, kind of like the parrot that Felix used to have. In exactly. One. Although didn't that parrot, that parrot oh, died and then returned, but didn't he fly it, away? He did not die, right. But didn't he, didn't he fly away? 
No, no. it came back. Okay. At the very end. Right? Okay. So I, I, I just hate when things are introduced to TV shows that uh, should be followed up on, but never happen. It's just, it's frustrating and it's unnecessary. There's so many ways they could have done a tag here, but to bring a puppy to the set, well, I don't understand why the show loves dogs so much. I love the dog, <laughs> well, but to go yeah. to all the trouble of bringing a dog to the set for a gag, that's just not that funny. I don't, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to my other dog stuff anyway. But uh, yeah, it's, no, you make a, a good point, which is that it's, it's like they're going a long way for this where it's not, there's really no joke there. I mean, Yawbus is cute, but it's not like, it's not a great joke. No. But I guess, I mean, the point is they needed the puppy plot twist, if I can say that, uh, to bring everyone together on the train. And I guess they wanted to follow up with the puppy idea. It's also weird to me. This tag is like eight weeks later, he says, which is, um, Usually we, I don't think we ever have like that long a span of time happen. Like they could have had another two episodes between. <laughs> yeah. So I give this three and a half Murray's. Uh, what I like about it are there are some very funny moments and gags and little bits. Um, Harvey Hankey's great. And there's, there's um, sprinkled in lots of funny stuff. Uh, and the fact that New York City and dressing as a someone myself who grew up in New York and also has pride in the city, even when it's going through tough times. I like that they address it. I think they address it smartly and it was very apropos for the time. I just, I find something about the long subway scenes and the fact that they use a dog to solve it all, which I, and this is a personal, this is not an objective critique, I will say. There's so many dog stuff with this show and it just feels like such a crutch to use the pregnant dog. Although I get, I mean, they could have used a pregnant, I'm not sure what the better solution would have been to bring everyone together. Pregnant woman's also a little much and they've done that kind of, but I just, I find the subway scene is a little much. I actually find Gary Marshall a little annoying. I, I the way he Mark is really mean. <laughs> he's mean, but I just don't think his lines are that funny. I'm Harvey Hit. Get out of here, will you? Like Harvey Hit, is that the best they could have come up with for Gary Marshall? Um, and there's something about the subway scene that I just don't love. I like it, which is why it's getting three and a half out of five words. I just don't love it. And then the the tag just I find unbearable because and again, this is a personal pet peeve, but introducing a new living thing to a TV show a that, that, is, that then is completely ignored uh, <laughs> is just, I find it so sloppy and lazy that I, I, it knocks it down for me. So that's my score. You know, to make a uh, Simpsons reference, uh, they should have on the next episode said, y'all must have to go to his secret planet. Uh, what, what did they do? <laughs> what is, how does, am I wait, doing that right? Wait, Pooch, I, you remember Poochie? No, I, I, You're not I, a Simpsons fan. I watched the Simpsons for like five years when it's, you know, during the good years, you know, good years. And then I don't watch and repeats. I don't remember right, well, much about it for the Simpsons fans out there. They'll, they'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I hope I kind of feel, yeah, pretty much the same as you, although I liked it more, but the reasons I didn't like it were for different reasons. Maybe I'll give it four Murray's. Um, and what I was most surprised by was the, what I remembered from this episode, of course, is the subway scene. Being at the subway story, is that what they call this? Yeah, subway story. Um, but I found myself enjoying the first half more. Uh, and the subway scene kind of let me down because there's just so many 
odd misfires in it. I mean, for for the for the things the things that are funnier are funny, but uh, the Gary Marshall character is it gets really ugly. Like he keeps like making fun of the woman, the older woman, for being ugly. Felix uh, also gets mean to Arlene for having a nose after she uh, walks away from him, says she has a nose job. Like they're all the, the meanness is not really working, even if it's supposed to be the New York idea. So, um, so I wish they had just some more big laughs for what's happening on the subway. Uh, and yes, the device of the puppet it's just like it's so sudden like they're so mean to each other and all of a sudden they're just you know sweet and they're all having lunch together and they're you know uh so it, it, it's just it's obviously in a short little sitcom episode you, you things happen fast but it just is stretching the credibility too much for the joke for me uh but the first half the whole establishment of the presence of the premise with oscar's column and felix defending new york and the scene in the park is funnier than i remember like everything before the subway, I had laughed a lot more during uh, that part in the buildup. So, and that part, so the fact that the first half is very strong and the topicality and the evocation of that era of New York and that they're once again, really going, literally going into the streets or and, and this, you know, a fake subway, but still going into uh, a subway setting uh, does make me nostalgic even for the bad days of New York. So uh, I have some fondness for this, but the sub, basically the bottom line for me is the subway scene itself is not as funny as I remember. And did you, I don't think you gave it a score yet. Did you, did you give it a score? Four. Four, four to five. Right? I do believe that the subway, you do believe they're on a subway. Like they do do that well, but once you're on the subway, it's, it's a little slow. The actual yeah. story. Uh, all right. Well, if you have any, feedback or, or information we certainly got a lot last week that gave us a lot of fodder for the beginning of this podcast please uh you can share with us um at 1049pod at gmail.com and of course if you were able to leave a positive review on itunes that would be fantastic garrett my name is ted linhart backwards that's debt trahino well ted my name backwards is actually oscar matasoy <laughs> okay Good night, everybody.